This is episode number four on the Follow Your Flow podcast. This episode is brought to you by my ebook, Ovulation and Introduction to Fertility Awareness, where I outline the factors involved in getting to know your cycle and the signs that it is communicating to you every single day. This is very practical and valuable information that our bodies are providing and I believe that every woman should know this. We should know and understand what is going on in our bodies and what to look out for to understand not only about how to conceive and then how to avoid pregnancy, that's very valuable, but also even more valuable than that is to provide information about our overall health and for a woman to to really connect to her body in a way that opens up doors to a much deeper connection than she probably would have had otherwise. You can find this ebook over on my website. Just go to the shop tab and you'll find it there. Fertility awareness is really the tip of the iceberg and a very first step in the depth of connection that a woman can have with herself. And there's more about this on my website and the programs that I run that explore this in a much deeper way. You can have a look at the Stillness and Cycles program and the upcoming Cycle Wise Woman program where we're going to do an in-depth study on our cycle and fertility awareness using this as a method and getting really getting to know the signs with a group. Now to this episode where I'm talking to Dr. Kerry Hampton about the fertility awareness method. I was never taught this information in sex ed classes at school and I know that so many women that I speak to and and men uh, don't get taught this either and, and had no idea. Like I had no idea about ovulation, let alone when I ovulated and I certainly didn't know that this information was an indication of my health, something that would have been very valuable to know right from the beginning. In this episode, I talked to Kerry about her experience in teaching women this method and the many practical benefits that women experience as a result. So join me now in this episode with Dr. Kerry Hampton. You're listening to Follow Your Flow, your podcast on all things women's health, menstruation and fertility. Your host, fertility awareness educator, women's health practitioner, and lover of all things health and healing, brings her wealth of experience, along with the real experiences of women and the expertise of health professionals. If you're looking for real and insightful conversations with real women, along with inspiring and lasting ways to improve your health, then you've come to the right place. Here's your host on Follow Your Flow, Sarah Harris. So welcome to this week's episode. I am super excited to have my guest with me today, Dr. Kerry Hampton, who I studied with about 10 or 11 years ago. And this is when I first, well, really embraced fertility awareness and um, made it very real for me after dabbling in the concepts of fertility awareness for a few years prior to that for, for my work and also for myself. And during this course, this is when I fell in love with this method. And as many of you will know, I have used it myself and since then also teach this to my clients. 
So Dr. Hampton is a natural fertility specialist in clinical practice where she provides counselling for couples who are preparing for pregnancy, having trouble conceiving or wish to use fertility awareness as contraception. So as an active researcher, Kerry publishes on fertility awareness in peer-reviewed journals, and she's also an education leader in her field, being the author of several professional development courses, which is what I did in fertility awareness for healthcare practitioners. So Kerry, a very warm welcome to you. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you for inviting me. And it's an absolute pleasure to be here. And it's absolutely lovely um, to see people like yourself who come along to the course, uh, really like uh, the content and the concept of fertility awareness and then take it out there more broadly to women. That's what it's all about, to make the information more accessible and easily understood by women, no matter what circumstance in reproductive life they are in. If they want to learn about fertility awareness, you will have the skills to actually do it. So thank you. It's lovely to be with you. So you've been in this field for a very long time now. So what what is it that drew you to fertility awareness originally? Like why? how did you become so passionate about fertility awareness? Um, I became passionate about fertility awareness quite a long time ago. I was in um, my second year of nursing when I read um, a book and there was just a couple of lines in it and it said women can learn for themselves or know for themselves when they are fertile and when they are not. And I thought, no one has ever told me that. That's very fascinating. (laughs) And that actually started my interest and uh, from there, I have studied it in any way I can Um, and um, I uh, as a young woman had trouble taking the pill and I actually learned myself fertility awareness from the first book that was published here in Australia by um, John and Evelyn Billings on the Billings method and if you do any fertility awareness course in the world or learn about fertility awareness no matter what context Uh, If it's based on mucus, it comes back to the science that was actually developed by the Billings people back in the 1950s. Um, It's quite a fascinating story, and I don't have time to cover it here, but um, uh, it's really solid science about um, uh, mucus patterns within the cycle, enabling women to know when and when they are not fertile. It's really easy to understand if you've got really good um, information on it. Sadly, there's a lot of misinformation on it, which can be very confusing for women, or the information actually can be overly complicated, making it really difficult for women to understand. But if women can acquire this information in really uh, simple uncomplicated ways most women who are interested in it who want to do it can do it very easily Um, so it's not complicated at all Um, so I I actually learned myself from the book as I said and then I went on and um, worked in a number of areas of women's health including family planning and I then became a specialist in that area uh, um, in working in women's health care and but because it's a, a marginalised area of women's health, I decided to go out and uh, establish a business in it myself to give women greater access to it in a way that I wanted to teach it. 
and I wanted to teach it from a very woman-centered, woman-friendly, uh, feminist uh, perspective. So if a woman wants to know about this aspect of their body, then I will actually teach them. Amazing. So for the women who may be listening to this and have absolutely no idea what fertility awareness is, and you've just talked a little bit about the cervical mucus and I know for me when I was studying with you with the fertility awareness method and using it myself, I was just fascinated and still am fascinated by the cervical mucus. It is just this incredible part of our cycle that we just don't learn about. We just do not learn about that other part of our cycle or any part of our cycle that is outside of the bleeding time. So can you just tell us a little bit about First of all, what fertility awareness is and what, what are the markers that we use um, to use this method? Um, okay, so if I go back a step, the definition of fertility awareness has actually changed over the years. And um, originally, fertility awareness was about women having knowledge of when the fertile window was in the cycle. And then if they didn't want to get pregnant, they could actually use barrier methods during that time. And that is as opposed to natural family planning. So natural family planning was avoiding sexual intercourse during the fertile window of the cycle. Fertility awareness was a step on from that and women could actually use barrier methods within the fertile window. Now fertility awareness in the last couple of years, it's been redefined and it's really about women uh, having an understanding of their cycle, their capacity to conceive, and the kinds of things that can actually impact that, such as weight, smoking, alcohol, uh, and a range of other factors. But they're the main factors that, um, that I deal with. So um, that's the current definition. But I think when people think about fertility awareness just from an individual point of view, they think about being able to tell when they're fertile in the cycle and when they're not. And the most accurate way that women can actually do that is through cervical mucus patterns. And so the first natural family planning slash fertility awareness method was rhythm, and that's counting days, and that's not very accurate. It's the least accurate of all the methods. Um, and then came um, uh, the Billings method, which is based on the science of mucus patterns within the cycle. And the science of mucus patterns within the cycle is really, it, it's firm in the literature. It cannot be disputed. So when a woman notices fertile type mucus in her cycle, she is fertile, plus for three more days after it stops. And outside the fertile window of the cycle, a woman is not fertile. Um, so with the mucus method, a woman can, with good understanding of her cycle, she can identify the first day of fertility in her cycle. She can monitor the mucus changes through to ovulation. She can identify where ovulation is occurring in the cycle. And then she needs to count another three days past that for the um, mucus plug to reform in, in the cervix for her not to be fertile again. So there is a period of infertility generally in the beginning of the cycle. Then there is the mucus pattern. And then a woman counts three days past the mucus pattern uh, when the mucus plug has fully formed and then she's not fertile for the rest of the cycle. 
So we would say that the, um, the mucus method of fertility awareness enables women to know on a day-to-day -day basis as to whether they are fertile and whether they are not. And that's very different from counting days because you're actually um, predicting rather than knowing. Which is what a lot of um, a lot of the apps do these days. They have yes. the the predictors, yes, um, they do. which women then fall into the trap of thinking that they can count on that, that they can mm. use that as a as a guide to, and and particularly that's dangerous, of course, if they're using it for contraception, yes. because um because it's very unreliable. Mm. Yeah, uh, well, there um there are a lot of different apps and uh, their capacity to identify the fertile window is highly variable and depends on the algorithms within them. Uh, the apps that are least um, accurate are the ones that um, count days and predict when a period is going to come. So yes, that's what a lot of women are doing these days. They're using apps and I don't think they realise how inaccurate uh, they are for themselves. And uh, I've actually, when women come along to learn about their fertility, it's not uncommon for them to be using an app, and I think that's fine. So if they want to continue to use the app, they can, and then I get them to chart um, the mucus patterns, and they can compare their own individual fertility patterns that they map against what they're being told uh, within the app. And it's that that actually helps them understand just how unreliable the um, predictive apps are about um, ovulation and uh, when a period is going to start. Yeah, so um, I think sometimes when people read something, a lot of it uh, around apps, a lot of it's around um, promotional information about the apps, um, we can kind of get pulled into thinking, well, if it says that, then that's real. But that doesn't necessarily follow. Yeah, so do, do you feel that there is a benefit in women understanding their bodies and understanding ovulation? Because you're talking about, you know, this fertile window. Um, so you're talking about it from a, a point of view of a woman trying to conceive or a woman trying to avoid pregnancy. So, yeah, both. So if a woman is wanting to... Um avoid pregnancy, the uh, apps based on rhythm, I would definitely advise them not to use them. Um, if a woman was wanting to conceive, I would say again, they're not the best way to understand your fertility because they don't provide enough detail to understand the different patterns within the cycle. And how women are taught to understand the cycle from school and in um, say magazines, um, they're taught to understand the cycle in a very simple way like 28 day cycle ovulation on day 14. And that's just not how individual women's fertility plays out. The cycle is a very dynamic aspect of a woman's being and it can be affected by a multitude of factors. And so if you're going on an app and it's telling you that you will be ovulating around about day 14 and say, for instance, um, a woman has been stressed for whatever reason, she might not ovulate until day 21, 22, 23 or even later, depending on, on her circumstance. That's not the sort of information that an app 
uh, can provide based on rhythm. And if a woman was to chart her cycle over the course of a year, I would expect her to have maybe two, three, four stress pattern cycles where ovulation occurs much later than it normally would. So it's that kind of detail that a nap just can't provide a woman. I love what you said about, um, you know, that a woman's cycle is very dynamic and mm -hmm. it's a very deeply personal uh, relationship that she yeah. has the opportunity to have that is like this constant inner feedback mechanism that um, is constantly communicating to her. And I always make the point that, you know, women can often feel that they are at the mercy of their hormones or at the mercy of their bodies, but it's actually the other way around. Their, their hormones and their bodies are actually at the mercy of us, like, you know, how we live and how we, um, you know, operate in life is going to be determining, you know, the outplay of our cycle. And we have this incredible opportunity to use that as a support for ourselves. Uh, but, you know, we, we kind of skip over that when we, you know, either I guess, take the pill or, um, you know, use a, an app to tell us, you know, I mean, we're using a piece of technology to tell us what we actually innately know. That's mm, so yeah. interesting. And the, the um, dilemma in relying upon a piece of technology to tell us about our cycles is that we don't learn it for ourselves in a very real way. Yes, And uh, the other aspect of that is that um, technology can give us some feedback. Um, but how we understand that feedback depends on how versed, educated we are in our cycle. And so it's hard for women, I think, sometimes to see how limited these technologies are because they first don't have a good understanding of their cycle. Yeah, it's, it's if, you've, if you're using an app, like there's one app that I recommend that's not particularly for conception or contraception. It's just an app that's actually there to support women to connect to their cycles. So I recommend it for that reason, but getting the women to, to input the information that they're getting from their body into the app and so that that's, they're in control. It's not the app that's in control. They're just using mm. the app as a medium to be able to record the information. Yep. If I was to go back a step, talking about how we can be really informed by our cycle about our health and how we're managing in life generally. Women who are well and not stressed, are sleeping well, got healthy weight, you know, just have generally a healthy lifestyle, those women will generally have nice fertility patterns. Women who um, are stressed for whatever reason, especially if the stress is ongoing, it's not just a short period of stress. They can have cycles where you have um, a chronic delay in ovulation. And when ovulation is delayed, um, and that's followed by what we call a short luteal phase, so between ovulation and the next period, there are less than uh, 10 to 11 days. That cycle becomes infertile. And... Uh, for the women that I see, that's basically the kind of cycle I see all the time. And what I do with that information, once they've charted um, a couple of cycles, we look into what their lifestyle is and what we can actually tweak that then can enable their cycle to work um, uh, more healthily. 
with, with better patterns. This is um, important whether women are wanting to conceive or indeed whether women are wanting just to understand their fertility for contraception. Uh, so nice patterns make it easier to read the cycle and understand the cycle. Um, disrupted or delays in ovulation make it a little bit more tricky and harder to read. So you can use the patterns that a woman documents herself to help a woman understand uh, her particular situation. And some women might say, oh, I'm not stressed. No, I'm fine. I'm really quite organized. <laughs> and they might feel that way in their head and that's you know fine but um stress can play out in many different ways and when you point these things out it then becomes quite real to them as to what their circumstance really is and where they might be able to make some changes to improve things yeah because the, the body doesn't lie does it it's um it's very very honest you know when we actually especially when you're looking at it and charting it on a piece of paper and you can actually see it's like a printout you know of mm. of um you know what's been going on for you the previous month or the previous months you know yep and if a woman went to institute just say usually a couple of lifestyle changes you see the patterns go back to nice sort of monthly patterns and they can see that for themselves that that is uh, the changes that they're making is actually improving their overall general health and therefore their fertility health. So when we talk about fertility and um, health, uh, you can't separate general health out from fertility health. One affects the other. So a person who has a healthy lifestyle will be healthy more generally and then their fertility will be better, generally speaking. Absolutely. So what you're saying and and also what's my experience as well in the in the clinic working with women is that fertility awareness is hugely beneficial and supportive in so many ways that yes for contraception and it's a very viable option um, which we don't I guess um, get taught enough about that it is actually a very very viable option and maybe I'll ask you that in a minute about you know the effectiveness of it as a method um, but then also using it for contraception because the timing, you know, we women can can be going through unnecessary assisted reproductive technology support where, the, you know, they, they don't need to. It could just be a timing issue. And I'd like to ask you about that. Like how how often, you know, it, does that happen? Do you, do you know from your research? Is that something that is quite common? Um, that wasn't part of my research, um, how common that is. But what I can say about the research that I did for my PhD, so I looked at um, what women know about fertility awareness who are attending IVF clinics. And um, what I found that uh, after, for most women who were there, they had been attempting pregnancy for a year or more, sometimes four, five years. And most of them, did not have a good understanding of the fertile window. So only 13%, 12.7% had a good understanding of the fertile window of the menstrual cycle. And I think that that's an absolute crying shame because pregnancy is only a possibility with intercourse during the fertile window. And there are many reasons why couples just might miss the fertile window. You know, people are busy, they have uh, they work, 
um, uh, often studying at the same time um, uh, and they get a bit stressed because of all of the things that they're doing and they don't get around to sort of getting together as often as they perhaps um, uh, would like to. Um, but in addition to that, the stress can actually change the timing of ovulation. So they might be thinking that they're getting the timing right if they've got about a monthly cycle. They might think if they just try around, you know, a couple of days before to after day 14, that might be, um, that, that might be sufficient. But in the absence of documenting the cycle, women cannot be certain that that actually is where ovulation is occurring. So a woman does have to document the cycle in some way to be clear about where the timing is in the cycle, so where the timing of ovulation is in the cycle, and also to know whether the cycle is a fertile cycle or not. So for women who ovulate a little bit later and then have what we call a short luteal phase, that cycle becomes non-fertile. And so women who are highly stressed could have that kind of cycle, cycle after cycle after cycle after cycle. But in the absence of actually documenting it for herself in a very particular way, she would not know that that's the case. So um, when I did my research, uh, something like 87% of women in the IVF clinic uh, had attempted to find out about fertility awareness. And they went to one to four different sources of the information. But 87% tried to find out and understand. Only 13% had a good understanding uh, in the clinic. So that's telling you that women are interested, but they're actually finding it very difficult to get the information. And so they know that timing is important. That's why they want to get the information. But I think a lot of the information is a bit, bit too complex or a bit too simple and it's not quite accurate enough for women to feel that they can document their cycle, understand it in the way that they can so that they can in fact understand it to the level that they need to if they're having trouble getting pregnant. So if I was seeing a couple and they were wanting to get pregnant and they've been trying for a while, I would teach them how to uh, understand the cycle using the mucus method. And if they've been trying for a while and they're anxious to kind of get as much information as they could, as quickly as they can, I'd couple that with the temperature method. So with the mucus method, fertile type mucus will be released from the cervix that women can notice at the vulva for an average of six days, but it could be 10 days or it could be a half a day. So, but for an average of six days, that mucus is released. Um, so at the beginning, as soon as that mucus starts, a woman can know that an egg is actually developing in the ovary and she's heading towards ovulation. And that mucus will continue to be released until ovulation actually happens. And then with ovulation, then the temperature will go up. So the mucus method is a prospective method of fertility awareness. A woman can know from on a day-to-day -day basis um, whether she's fertile or not based on the fact of whether it's there or not. And then temperature, when it goes up, it tells a woman in retrospect she has ovulated. So the temperature method uh, usually indicates ovulation uh, retrospectively. A good number, uh, or most of the women that I... Um, 
surveyed in the IVF clinics didn't understand mucus very well and they definitely misunderstood temperature. Many of them were waiting for the temperature to go up before they actually started trying to conceive and they would have been too late. So that's a great shame. Yeah, I think it's interesting too that probably I would say, I don't know if you've done research on this, but there would probably be an increase in women wanting to know about when ovulation occurs and the timing of ovulation in that kind of setting um, where they're, they're much more sort of aware and wanting to find out the information. Whereas I think it's actually a shame that we don't just want to do that for ourselves. You know, we we only sort of focus on that um, or I, I'm guessing that there would be a higher number of women who would be wanting to know that then rather than previously just just for themselves, you know, just to understand and empower their understanding and knowing of their bodies. I think that that's true, that a lot of women are very interested. They don't quite know where to go to get the information from. And there are women who are interested from a very young age, a very young age. And um, and they, they read books and some of the books are quite good and some of them are not so good. So it depends on what is read as to um, how accurately they understand uh, their cycle. I think for another group of women, then they're kind of interested, but not really, while they're wanting contraception. Um, and then when they come off contraception and they're thinking of having a family, then their interest increases quite a lot because they're aware about the importance of timing and they have the idea that they've been on the pill for some time, it might make it difficult for them to get pregnant. Or they've um, been taking contraception for quite some time and they've also at the same time been wanting not to take it and to start a family, but um, they've had to wait until their circumstances are, are, are okay to, um, uh, to have a family. And so they're keen to get pregnant as quickly as they can. I um I had an experience this week where my doctor wanted me to get a pelvic ultrasound. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the hospital and I had the pelvic ultrasound and I knew what day of my cycle I was on. And um, she did the ultrasound and then afterwards she said to me, on your left ovary there's a cyst bleed. And she said, because um, she'd already asked me what day of my cycle I was on, I said I was on day 11 and she said, if you were around day 14, then I would say it was about ovulation and not to worry about it. But seeing as you're on day 11, and she kept talking before I could interject, but she said, seeing as you're on day 11, this is something that we're going to have to check up on later because um, we want to just make sure that this is, you know, not something that's concerning. And, um, and I was able to say to her, well, I actually ovulated this morning, I mean, yesterday, because my temperature went up this morning, my mucus stopped yesterday, and I, you know, was able to, you know, clarify for her that ovulation did in fact occur, and the cyst bleed was just the the natural occurrence of what happens when the egg releases from the follicle and turns into the corpus luteum, and that's, you know, wasn't an issue. But I w it made me reflect on, you know, had I not known fertility awareness and had I not been charting my cycle and I'm not using it for contraception or conception um, at the moment. So I it made me wonder like how many avoidable, unnecessary stresses, you know, because if I didn't know that, then I would have maybe stressing about 
you know, what, what is this, this bleed? And, and for, for another however many weeks until I had another scan, it takes out so much, you know, if, we're, if we actually mm. know our bodies and mm. we can actually work with the health professionals that we're working with and it can be very much an equal partnership, whereas, you know, you we kind of, I guess, put the medical, I think we can often do this anyway, put the medical world in their in their own sort of place and give our power away to that and and not sort of take charge of our own health um and our own understanding of our bodies and it can really support us if we do yes i would say that um fertility literacy is a life skill yes yeah and it's a life skill that would benefit all women really regardless of their circumstance, whether they want to get pregnant, don't want to get pregnant, just understand their cycle for, for whatever whatever reason. I'm always quite um, amazed. So uh, if a woman had um, diabetes or was diagnosed with diabetes, the first thing that would happen would be, or one of the first things that would be happen would be a referral perhaps to a diabetes educator so that woman could actually understand what diabetes is and uh, the kinds of things that she needs to do to stay healthy and well. If a woman is um, rocks up and says she's having trouble conceiving, they don't get that same education. They just don't. And they're, um, uh, unfortunately, um, the opportunity for that education just, it just doesn't happen. And it's such a sad thing, really because it can relieve a great deal of stress if a woman were to understand her fertility and she was trying to get pregnant. Uh, when a woman is um, learning about fertility awareness um, for conceiving, regardless of how long they've been attempting pregnancy, I would say that once they start charting, that's really the beginning of a new phase. So if they've not done any previous charting, they've not really understood their fertility, the timing of ovulation, whether they've actually got the timing right with ovulation, I would say it takes about six months. And we know that from very, very good research that um, most people would be pregnant at six months with good timing and all of the other additional um, uh, lifestyle support that our health practitioners like yourself provide. Um, and it's a great pleasure for me when people come back and they say, now, um, this cycle wasn't fertile and I can actually tell you why. <laughs> so um, we sold our house and we bought a new house or whatever and I can see that I ovulated quite late and my cycle was not fertile as a result. Or they'll come back and they say, I was just really unwell and I could see where I was ovulating but I just didn't feel like you know, I just didn't want to try at that point. And that's really invaluable information. That's really invaluable information. So on a statistical level for most people who will be pregnant at six months with good timing, the other kinds of lifestyle support, with that kind of knowledge, they know that they need to take out those months. You can't count those months because there wasn't good timing and it wasn't a good cycle. And it, the the feedback that I get from women constantly with good education in this area is that they feel much more grounded, a lot less stressed. They understand what's going on. They know how to work with their body. They know that they're ovulating. That is clear to them. They know when they get the timing right. They know when they've given themselves a chance of getting pregnant um, in that cycle. And I think that's invaluable information. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Like you say, it is absolutely a life skill. And if a woman is just paying attention to her body every day, that in itself is, as you say, very, very grounding. Mm. Yeah, and much, much, much more so than than apps, much, much more so than um, ovulation prediction uh, tests because um, if a woman learns about her cycle in a really um, uh, individual and um, complete way, what they then are able to do is to dismiss all the other misinformation that they've been given about their fertility, which is a stress in itself. And uh, to be able to understand their fertility as it is rather than how other people are telling them that it is, like ovulation on day 14 or, you know, that sort of thing, um, or just have sex every day and you'll be fine but without knowing where ovulation is occurring and whether it's just a fertile cycle, um, it's, it's really important. Um, Women used to come in a lot more earlier on uh, with ovulation, having used ovulation prediction tests. These days they come in more often having used a, a fertility app. But I keep being reminded about the um, ovulation prediction tests and their accuracy can be quite variable. And women with certain kinds of cycles might think that they're ovulating several times in the cycle with the positive tests, they, what results they get. And without a comprehensive, accurate understanding of their cycle, they're not able to critique how accurate those tests are. But if a woman has a very good understanding of her cycle, she can critique how good those tests are, whether they're giving her the right information about her cycle or not, um, and, and the same, same for apps. So an example of that would be, just not that long ago, a woman said that uh, she was using ovulation prediction tests and she was ovulating on day 15 and she felt that she'd been ovulating on day 15 for a while. So um, in looking at her cycle and when she started mapping it, uh, there were attempts at ovulation around day 15, but that's not where she was ovulating. So what the prediction tests were picking up were her attempts at ovulation, but not actual ovulation. And ovulation was occurring much further along in the cycle but actually she didn't know that and she was concentrating around day 15 uh, to get pregnant and so that woman was pregnant within three months with good information and that's actually having tried for quite some time so it's very liber liberating information to understand that aspect of ourselves and it keeps it very simple and uh, it also like you say, you know, really allows people to cut out those myths. I love love how you talked about that because, you know, the 28-day cycle is is such an embedded belief mm. in amongst women and just in society in general. And and I think we can we can often think, or women can often think that there's something inherently wrong with them if they don't have a 28-day cycle, if they're not ovulating on day 14. And it just keeps sort of circulating this you know, not good enough, um, you know, thing that can stress women out, particularly around fertility. But just in general, it's just I think that lack of self-worth is something that women really struggle with just generally. And I actually looked into that 28-day model and I think it's been 
further embedded since the inception of the pill because of the way that they structured it. The the pill was actually not a 28-day cycle originally. It was just a pill that you take over and over again, but then was manufactured to mimic the cycle so that a woman would think that she was having a cycle when she's in fact not having a cycle. But uh, nonetheless, it's embedded even further, that 28-day medicalized model of, mm. of our cycle that's just completely untrue. And it's a really, really good point that you raise. Women have ideas about what is normal, and normal is often based on the 28-day cycle. That's a medical model of the cycle, just to make it easy to explain to women. But it's not how any woman experiences her cycle a woman might have you know around about a 28 day cycle but i would be very surprised if she ovulated on day 14 every cycle there would always be a variation because that's and that's because our cycles are part of who we are and as i said before our cycles are dynamic and our cycles um, can uh, be very responsive to a whole range of different um, circumstances that we are in in life, our health, our levels of stress, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that actually I love doing, that's something I really love doing with women when they learn about their cycles, is to give lots of confirmation about what is the breadth of normal <laughs> and that this is normal. <laughs> uh, you know, a 26 to a 35-day cycle is normal. The 28-day cycle is a medical model, and so it's quite normal to have variations in the length of the cycle, in the timing of ovulation. A woman will have a combination, all women will have a combination of fertile cycles and non-fertile cycles, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with her body with those variations. Those variations are terribly important, and the non-fertile cycles that women have under times of stress, etc. It's a really, 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 and I can't stress that enough, it's a really important mechanism that comes into play that helps prevent pregnancy when circumstances are not ideal to be pregnant. So it's not ideal to be pregnant when stress levels are really high. That's why the stress hormone actually delays ovulation and shortens the luteal phase. So actually, it's, it's a protective factor. Now, often women think that that's wrong, there's something wrong with their body, but actually it's a really important part of normal human health. Beautifully said, and that's what I too always say to women is that your cycle is never wrong, it's always accurate. It's even, even if it's not in those normal parameters, it's accurate because it's being responsive to your body. So how can it be wrong ever you know it's always accurate it's providing information so we just got to use the information to then adjust and and work out you know what needs to happen to support um, your body further i agree i agree so different patterns will reflect different things and from the patterns women can get an understanding of how the circumstance that she's in is actually impacting her health and it it, um, the patterns of the cycle give guidance as to what um, changes can be made to improve the patterns that actually then improve health. One of the things that um, came into um, a real prominence, really, there was a real focus on preconception care. And I believe in preconception care, absolutely, I do. 
uh, it's really important for the health of um, adults being prospective parents and also for for children but when I talk about preconception care I fan it out to general health so it's not just looking at what you should be doing in the six months leading up to pregnancy or whatever it's about what you need to do to be healthy for yourself in the long term reduce cardiovascular risks reduce diabetes reduce cancer risks all of those sorts of things and so if men and women are really healthy when they conceive and continue those patterns uh, along they can confer a lifetime a lifetime benefit um, for their children so um, people who don't take that seriously can put their children at risk of having uh, developing a whole range of conditions including chronic diseases into later life and I think what something very important that you just said then or to expand on what you just said if a woman knows how to support herself then she is far more likely to be able to support um be able to you know how we talk about that kind of cup overflowing you know if you've got that for yourself and if you're really looking after yourself from a health perspective understanding your body then you're much more likely to be able to cope with any of the challenges that come along with, you know, having a new baby or pregnancy, having a new baby, and then being a parent. You know, if you've got that connection with yourself as a woman first, then that is everything to, to you know, your health, but also to being able to raise a child. Yes. If you don't understand it for yourself, you can't understand it for other people. It does actually start with um uh, parents really uh, women and men I quite agree with you that's a nice way of putting it beautiful Kerry so this I think we need to wrap up now and I've just so enjoyed our conversation I could definitely chat with you for a lot longer but um, I just wanted to ask you to wrap up what is the one thing if you had the attention of every woman in the world right now what is the one thing that you would want them to know about their bodies um, I think they've got amazing bodies, beautiful bodies, wonderful bodies, and the cycle is a really interesting and fascinating area of, of their bodies. And I would launch straight in to <laughs> an education session on how to understand their cycles. That's what I would do. And I would do it in 10 minutes. I'm you know, I've doing I've been done it, doing it a long time, and I could just do it in ten minutes, and they would say, "Wow, I didn't know that." And um, uh, when I, I did my PhD, um, women could offer uh, comments at the end of the surveys, and the most frequent comment at the end of the survey was that I should have known this when I was going to school. And when I teach women now in their 20s, 30s, you know, 40s, that's what they still say, I should have known this because it gives them a completely different perspective. It gives them a very gentle, kind, normal insight into their fertility. And I think that that's the thing that um, upsets me quite a lot, I think, when people are educated about um, contraception and fertility in general, it's about what's not working well. I think it's far better to start with how it actually does work and then how we can make it work better for us if, you know, if improvements do need to be made. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with all of what you just said there, Kerry, and, 
And I absolutely do agree that, you know, we really should know this. This is foundational support. It is uh, so important for us to just know and understand our bodies from the very beginning and not to be afraid to share this with young women. Um, you know, when we know it for ourselves, we, we can absolutely do that. So thank you very much for coming on the show and I hope that you will come back again another time and, um, yeah, look forward to our next conversation. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. You're listening to Follow Your Flow podcast with Sarah Harris. Subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and get in touch. All details on www.followyourflow.com.au slash podcast.